from the North Devon coast to the Atlantic shores, from the tropical rainforests to the sunny Azores, from Icelandic wastelands to Australian deserts. This is Cauldron FM, where the magic really happens. Enter Merlin! But beware, do not interrupt his magic! Hi, and welcome to this new show from Cauldron FM, broadcasting to you from here in the Ilfracombe studios. Sunny Ilfracombe today, by the way. It's an absolutely gorgeous day. Blue skies are looking at me through the window. So, as we approach the time of Ostara, I thought I would theme this show around Ostara. And also, because it's a powerful weekend, because we also have a full moon, I'm going to start off, though, with a recipe, for want of a better word, for a moon bath. So here we go, this is the recipe for a moon bath. Imagine you are lying down in an empty pool or tub outside on a clear moonlit night, just like it has been just lately. If you can actually go out into the moonlight for this visualisation, it will be even more powerful. Start by feeling the coolness of the moon on your body and its light on your closed eyelids. Imagine moonbeams pouring down over you, bathing your body and spirit in cool light. The light fills the pool, covering you completely. It sinks in through your pores, your eyes, your mouth. The light relaxes your body and mind as it washes away all tension, illness, stress or discomfort. Visualise these spiralling away from you as they wash away down the drain. As you rise from the bath, the light lingers on your skin and hair. You will carry this cool, relaxing experience with you throughout the week. So there you go. A little bit of a recipe for taking a moon bath. Now we'll take a short break and then I'll come back to you with the main body of this show. Making magical, mystical memories. Merlin. Hi, well, welcome back. For the main body of the show, what I'm going to do is read to you a transcript of a post that I discovered while trolling the net. It dates from 1987 and was written by an author called Peg Alloy. And so, publicly, I would like to acknowledge the use of her work and thank her very much. It's entitled, You Call It Easter... We call it Ostara. Try this sometime with your children or a young niece, nephew or cousin. On the day of the vernal or autumnal equinox, just a few moments before the exact moment of the equinox, go outside with a raw egg. Find a reasonably level place on the footpath or driveway and you can balance the egg upright, wider end down, just by simply setting it on the ground. No kidding. It will stand up all by itself. 
Children love this, and most adults are amazed and delighted too. This little trick brings together two of the most potent aspects of this holiday. The balancing of the Earth's gravity midway between the extremes of light and dark at winter and summer solstice, and the symbolisation of the egg. The egg is one of the most notable symbols of Easter. But as someone who was raised a Christian, and who has never told exactly why we colour eggs at Easter, or why there was a bunny who delivered candy to us, or why it was traditional to buy new clothes to wear to church on Easter Sunday, I always wondered about this holiday. As with many of the seemingly unrelated secular symbols and traditions of Christmas, what do evergreen trees, mistletoe, reindeer and lights have to do with the birth of Christ? You might want to read, You call it Christmas, we call it Yule, for an exploration of these connections. Easter too has adapted many ancient pagan symbols and customs in its observance. Easter gets its name from the Teutonic goddess of spring and the dawn, whose name is spelled Oester or Iaster. The origin of the word East comes from various Germanic, Austro-Hungarian words for dawn, and they share the root for the word Aurora, which means to shine. Modern pagans have generally accepted the spelling Ostara, which honours this goddess as our word for the vernal equinox. The 1974 version of Webster's New World Dictionary defines Easter thus. Originally, name of pagan vernal festival, almost coincident in date with the Paschal festival of the church, Easter, Dawn Goddess, an annual Christian festival celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, held on the first Sunday after the date of the first full moon that occurs on or after March the 21st. The vernal equinox usually falls somewhere between March 19th and 22nd, Note that the dictionary only mentions March the 21st as opposed to the date of the actual equinox. And depending upon when the first full moon on or after the equinox occurs, Easter falls sometime between late March and mid-April. Because the equinox and Easter are so close, many Catholics and others who celebrate Easter often see this holiday, which observes Christ's resurrection from the dead after his death on Good Friday, as being synonymous with rebirth and rejuvenation. The symbolic resurrection of Christ is echoed in the awakening of the plant and animal life all around us. But if we look more closely at some of the Easter customs, we will see that the origins are surprisingly, well, pagan. Eggs, bunnies, candy, Easter baskets, new clothes, all these traditions have their origin in practices which may have little or nothing to do with the Christian holiday. For example, the traditional colouring and giving of eggs at Easter has very pagan associations, for eggs are clearly one of the most potent symbols of fertility. Fertility, not fatality. (laughs) And spring is the season when animals begin to mate and flowers and trees pollinate and reproduce. In England and Northern Europe, eggs were often employed in folk magic when women wanted to be blessed with children. There is a great scene in the film The Wicker Man, where a woman sits upon a tombstone in the cemetery, holding a child against her bared breasts with one hand and holding up an egg with the other, rocking back and forth as she stares at the scandalised and very uptight Sergeant Howie. Many cultures have a strong tradition of egg colouring among Greeks. Eggs are traditionally dyed dark red and given as gifts. As for the Easter egg hunt, 
which is a fun game for children. I have heard at least one pagan teacher say that there is rather scary history to this. As with many elements of our ancient history, there is little or no factual documentation to back this up. But the story goes like this. Eggs were decorated and offered as gifts and to bring blessings of prosperity and abundance in the coming year. This was common in old Europe. As Christianity rose and the ways of the old religion were shunned, people took to hiding eggs and having children make a game out of finding them. This would take place with all the children of the village looking at the same time in everyone's gardens and beneath fences and other spots. It is said, however, that those people who sought to seek out heathens and heretics would bribe children with coins or threats. And once those children uncovered eggs on someone's property, that person was then accused of practising the old ways. I have never read any historical account of this, so I cannot offer enough source for the story. Though I assume the person who first told me found it somewhere. When I find one, I will let you know. When I first heard it, I was eerily reminded of the way my own family conducted such egg hunts. Our parents had money inside colourful plastic eggs that could be opened and closed again. Some eggs contained pennies, some quarters, some dimes, some nickels, and some lucky children would find a 50 cent piece or a silver dollar. In our mad scramble for pocket change, were my siblings and cousins and I mimicking the treacherous activities of children long ago. Traditional foods play a part in this holiday, as with so many others. Ham is the traditional main course served in many families on Easter Sunday. And the reason for this probably has to do with the agricultural way of life in old Europe. In late autumn, usually in October, also known as the month of the blood moon, because it is referred to the last time animals were slaughtered before winter, meats were salted and cured so that they would last through the winter. Poorer people, who subsisted on farming and hunting, would often eat very sparingly in winter to assure that their food supply would last. With the arrival of spring, there was less worry, and to celebrate the arrival of spring and of renewed abundance, they would serve the tastiest remaining cured meats, including hams. This also marked a seasonal end to eating cured foods, and a return to eating fresh game, as animals emerge from hibernation looking for food, and no longer relying on stored root vegetables, but eating the young green plants so full of the vitamins and minerals that all living beings need to replenish their bodies in spring. Modern pagans can observe these same customs by eating the fresh greens and early vegetables abundant now. Dandelion greens, nettles, asparagus and the like. There are some witches who believe that fasting at the equinox is very healthy and magical. It clears away all the toxins stored over the winter when we eat heavy foods to keep warm, and it can create altered states of consciousness for doing equinox magic. By eliminating all the poisons from our diets for a few days, including sugar, caffeine, alcohol, red meat, dairy products, refined foods, etc., and eating lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, we not only can shed a few pounds and improve the appearance of our hair and skin, but also we can improve our health over the long term. The overall benefit to health from an occasional cleansing fast helps strengthen our immune system, making our bodies more resistant to illness and help us feel more alert and energetic. Try it. Be sure to break your fast slowly, reintroducing your normal foods one at a time. 
instead of going from sev for several days of fruits, grains and herbal teas to a feast of steak, potatoes, chocolate cake. The breaking of the fast can be incorporated into the cakes and wine portion of your ritual, or at the feast many witches have afterwards. Speaking of food, another favourite part of Easter for children is that basket of treats. Nestled in plastic grass coloured pink or green, we'd find foil-wrapped eggs, hollow chocolate bunnies, jelly beans, marshmallow chicks in pink, yellow or lavender, fancy peanut butter or coconut eggs. Like that other holiday where children are inundated with sugar, Halloween, no one seems to know precisely where, when or how this custom began. And why are the baskets supposedly brought by a bunny? There are some modern witches and pagans who follow traditions that integrate the fairy lore of the Celtic countries. It is customary to leave food and drink out for the fairies on the nights of our festivals. And it is believed that if the fairies are not honoured with these gifts at these times, they will work their mischief in our lives. Certain holidays call for particular fairy favourites. At Oymelk, which is February the 2nd, for example, we leave gifts of dairy origin like cheese, butter or fresh cream. At Lammas, August the 1st, we leave fresh grains or newly baked bread. At Samhain, nuts and apples are traditional. And at Ostara, it is customary to leave something sweet, honey or mead or candy. Could this be connected to the Easter basket tradition, I wonder? Perhaps a gift of sweets corresponds to the sweet nectar gathering in the new spring flowers. To refer again to the Wicker Man, the post office sweet shop where May Morrison works, she's the mother of Rowan Morrison, the young girl who is supposedly missing and who Sergeant Howie has come to Summer Isle to find, offers a large selection of sweets shaped like animals. When Sergeant Howie says, I like your rabbits, Mrs Morrison scolds him, saying, those are hares. Lovely March hares, not silly old rabbits. And when Howie goes to dig up the grave of Rowan Morrison, who it turns out is neither dead nor missing, he finds the carcass of a hare, and Lord Summerisle tries to convince him that Rowan was transformed into a hare upon her death. Clearly this is an illustration of the powerful association with animals that many ancient cultures have, Summer Isle being a place where time seemingly stood still and where the pagan pursuit of pleasure and simple agricultural ways define the way of life. The forming of chocolate into the shape of rabbits or chicks is a way to acknowledge them as symbols. By eating them we take on their characteristics and enhance our own fertility, growth and vitality. Clearly the association of rabbits with Easter has something to do with fertility magic. Anyone who has kept rabbits as pets or knows anything about their biology, has no question about the honest origin of the phrase, something like a bunny. These cute furry creatures reproduce rapidly and often. Same with chicks, who emerge wobbly and slimy from their eggs, only to become fluffy, yellow and cute within a few hours. The Easter bunny may well have its origins in the honouring of rabbits in spring as an animal sacred to the goddess Iasta much as horses are sacred to the Celtic Epona, and the crow is sacred to the Morrigan. As a goddess of spring, she provides over the realm of the conception and birth of babies, both animal and human, 
and of the pollination, flowering and ripening of fruits in the plant kingdom. Sexual activity is the root of all life. To honour this activity is to honour our most direct connection to nature. At Beltane, April 31st, May 1st, pagans and witches honour the sexual union of the god and goddess amid the flowers and fruits that have begun to cover the land. But prior to that, at Astara, we welcome the return of the spring goddess from her long season of dormant sleep. The sap begins to flow, the trees are budding, the ground softens, ice melts, and everywhere the fragrance and colour of spring slowly awakens and rejuvenates our own life forces. I have always thought that this has a lot to do with the tradition of wearing newly bought or made clothes at Easter, in pastel spring colours. Wearing such colours we echo the flowering plants, crocus, lilac, forsythia, bluebells, violets, and new clothes allow us to feel we are renewing our person. How many of us feel flipping horrible after winter ends? Along with the fasting practice mentioned earlier, this is a time for many of us to create new beginnings in our lives. This can apply to jobs, relationships, living situations, lifestyle choices. But since the equinox is such a potent time magically, and often falls in the period where Mercury is retrograde, Starting a new endeavour at this time can be problematic if we don't take care. One good way to avoid catastrophe is to engage in small, personally oriented rites or activities. A new haircut, new clothing style or makeup, a new exercise programme, the grand old traditions of spring cleaning, a new course of study. All of these are relatively safe ways to begin anew without risking the weirdness and unpredictability of Mercury retrograde. This is a very powerful time to do magic, not only because of the balancing of the Earth's energies, but because of the way our own beings echo the Earth's changes. We are literally reborn as we emerge from our winter sleep, ready to partake of all the pleasures of the Earth and to meet the challenges we will face as the world changes around us daily. As we greet and celebrate with our pagan brothers and sisters of the Southern Hemisphere, for whom the vernal equinox more closely resembles the beginning of autumn in physical terms, we remember that spring is not only a season, it is also a state of mind. After these messages, I will come back and give you a short little story, an Ostara fairy story. Speak to you in a bit. Warm, comforting and crafted with love. Old world style and grace handmade to your specifications. Each item is truly unique and all handmade. If you are looking for something bold and showy, or something just like Grandma used to make, search Cozy Crochet and Crafts on Facebook. Sometimes we need an extra pair of hands when looking after an elderly relative or we need a little help as we approach our twilight years. We specialise in providing a personal care service. Our experienced care team can provide assistance with bathing, shopping, meal preparation at reasonable and competitive rates. Please contact Alison on 01271 864 886. Candor Care, providing care in the community. The Mrs Mops range of chutneys and preserves includes traditional family recipes 
and our own creations using surprising new flavours in amazing combinations. All our chutneys are free from artificial preservatives and by always using the best locally sourced ingredients we are helping to maintain our local economy. Our range is continually growing and you can try them for yourself by booking one of our Come Taste With Me parties. You supply the wine and we'll even bring the crackers. To book a party, call us on 07581 735 769 or email admin at mrsmopschutneys.co.uk Oh, by the way, Mrs Mops Chutneys can now be bought from Nana Sue's on Ilfracombe High Street. And welcome back again to part three of this Ostara show. Blimey heck, it's a busy show, this one. Anyway, to wind the whole thing up now, I have a little fairy story for you. Don't know where it came from, apart from when it came from Emma. Emma, if you are listening to this, I would love to thank you very much personally for sending this. It was a great story. It is a great story. And I'm now going to share it with everybody. And it's called An Ostara Fairy Story. A long time ago... In a beautiful glade, there was a fairy called Alicia. She and her friends loved to skip through the bluebells and dance around the toadstools. Every spring they would run merrily through the forest, greeting the animals and the birds. They would giggle as they sprinkled dust on the forest floors, so new flowers would grow there. Alicia and her friends would dare each other to knock on the oak trees and run away before they were caught. They loved lying on the grass, gazing at the clouds and peeking at the people passing by. But what they feared the most were the winter fairies, especially Jack Frost, the wicked sprite who loved playing tricks on the humans, the animals and other fae. They would scamper around the woods, causing havoc and mischief. Sometimes they would follow the spring fairies and freeze all the pretty flowers they had made. One winter... Alicia was chatting away to the rabbits, waiting for spring to arrive, when she heard a shuffle behind her. She turned around to see who was there, but could only see the periwinkles and the willow trees. As she looked around, she noticed the flowers turning frosty, and the stream turning to ice. Alicia knew exactly who was there. It was Jack Frost. He had already cast his spell over most of the woods, and now he was going to turn the spring fairies' land cold as well. The bunnies tried to dart away, but Jack burst out of all the trees and turned them to ice. Alicia spread her wings and dashed up into the sky, before Jack could catch her. She fluttered high into the heavens, and sat on one of the clouds and cried. What was she supposed to do? The winter fairies were going to take over. Suddenly, she could smell daffodils and primroses, something really beautiful. Alicia looked behind to see a glowing rainbow and a beautiful woman walking across the bridge of colour. Her hair flowing long tumbled behind her, and she scattered seeds as she stepped. It was Astara, the goddess of spring. Alicia knew she would be safe and that the glade would be too as long as Ostara was by her side. The goddess took the tiny fairy into her hand, and they floated back down to the forest. It was so cold and dark there, but Alicia was in good care. Ostara brought the warmth and light back to the woods, 
with every step that she took. The thick blanket of snow melted, and the flowers clambered back out of the frozen soil. The glade was blooming with colour and life. Ostara went across to the rabbits and touched their heads. They started to move again, and were no longer bound with ice. The goddess looked across to Jack Frost and said, I will let you have your winter time, but when the first daffodils grow, you must put an end to winter and leave. Ostara's rule is still unbroken, for when the first flowers start to peep out from the soil, the winter fairies know they must finish their games. She places rainbow eggs in rabbit nests to warn the wicked Jack Frost that he must leave. People around the world still hang these colourful eggs on branches to ward the winter fairies away and to welcome springtime into their homes. Isn't that beautiful? So nice. Anyway, that brings me to a close on this uh, special Ostara show. I would like to thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and hope that you've taken away some information, some pleasure and maybe learnt a little bit as well. So I'm going to wish you love and light. Have a wonderful Easter or Ostara and I'll speak to you again very soon. And don't forget, coming up very shortly, we have the new music show at the beginning of April before I go away on a 10-day holiday, would you believe? Off to Wales. We will get another show and the new music show in before then. So again, love and light to all. Thank you very much for listening. This has been me, Dave the Merlin. I'm wishing you blessed be. And this has been a Moonshadow Media production. Take care. Speak to you soon. <laughs>